0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Matt Mitchell, the running editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. All right. So earlier this month, I spent roughly four days following the Cocodona 250, which has quickly become one of the most popular 200 plus mile ultras in the U.S., The race follows a point-to-point course from just north of Phoenix, Arizona, all the way to Flagstaff, and includes something like 40,000 feet of cumulative vertical change, which is quite a lot. It also has a 125-hour time cutoff for runners. But my guest this week, Sarah Ostaszewski, needed just a little over 72 of them to take the win, an effort that also landed her in fourth place overall. 200-plus mile races are still largely uncharted territory for most people in our sport, so I wanted to ask Sarah a bunch of questions about them, like whether or not she thinks they differ all that much from 100 milers, how she's improved on her performance each of the three times she's run Kokodona 250, and a whole lot more. But before I bring Sarah on, I want to take a quick minute to tell you guys about Blister's partnership with Spot Insurance. Injuries are definitely not the first thing that comes to mind when we think about our favorite outdoor sports. But as many of you know, perhaps all too well in some cases, they can happen from time to time. And even if you have standard insurance, the cost of your deductible and often a number of hidden fees means you're likely to get stuck with quite a hefty bill for any trip to the ER or hospital visit. That's where Spot comes in. With a Blister Plus Spot membership, you get injury insurance that covers everything from... Trail running to backcountry skiing to mountain biking and more. All that in addition to the benefits of being a Blister member. For more info, make sure to click on the link in the show notes. All right. And finally, I also want to remind you guys to leave us a rating or review after this conversation wraps up. Little things like that really help us continue to put out new episodes of the podcast each week. Okay. Let's get right into my chat with Sarah. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. So in our brief exchange, uh, before we hit record, I kind of said that I hoped you're getting some good R&R after your win at uh, Cocodona about a week or so ago. And I thought we could kind of start there. What does recovery look like after running 250 miles in just over 72 hours?
1: Yeah, I think uh, for me, this this time recovery has been... I've been taking it seriously. I'm. I was so happy with you know, the end results this year at Cocodona where I'm like, I feel good about taking a break. Usually, recovery is pretty tough. I just want to get back out there and <laughs> start running again. So um, this time, I'm, yeah, taking it seriously. I've been hiking a bit. I did. So it's fun in Flagstaff. And I, I've done this three times now. After Cocodona, um, the Giro de Eldon, the, uh, they kind of have a local pizza shop. Kind of, you know, any way you can get up to the top of Eldon. Um, if you can make it up there in time for the group photo, you'll get a ticket to get a pizza a free pizza. So we did do that on Sunday, which was just a few days after the race. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so back up to Eldon. But uh, other than that, yeah, bike rides and some easy hikes. I hiked this morning. It was awesome. So yeah, no rush to get back to like regular volume and stuff like that. So yeah, it's pretty chill. Is that the
0: pizza spot that everyone in flag goes to pizza? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's your go to order there?
1: Oh, it's the special. Sometimes the special is really good. Otherwise, like the um, margarita, I'd say, is the go-to. Nice. What kind of activities do you get up to when you're not running? Oh, man, I'm pretty much just running. (laughs) I'll hike, I'll bike, and uh, I don't know. I I like, um, there's some good... shows on hbo and netflix and stuff so i will chill and enjoy some movies or some some shows or read um i wish i could say i was still keeping up with like painting and drawing but not so much right now it's uh, yeah it's just it's all running or being outside (laughs) essentially no i also imagine
0: too that like your brain must have been pretty scrambled after After Cocodona?
1: Yeah, I'd say this was the craziest, like, uh, I'm trying to think back to the previous two years. Um, yeah, I've had, like, major brain fog this, this past week. It's... (laughs) I felt like, uh, I did hang out at the finish line for most of Friday. Um, but yeah, Saturday, I felt like I was kind of sitting around, staring off into space, <laughs> very short attention span too. So yeah, I hope that goes away. Um, yeah, a little fuzzy, little fuzzy post
0: race for sure. Did any funny stories come out of that? Like trying to like go grocery shopping and just like forgetting everything or?
1: Oh uh, no, I, I made it through like Tasks like errands and stuff. If I i did like go buy some ice cream, um, yeah, I've made it through like what I had to do, but yeah, other outside of that, I just kind of sitting around staring off into space. So, oh man, well, at least you're surrounded
0: by like you know some great mountains to to kind of gawk at,
1: yeah. And Eldon's actually, I can see it out my window, so I can just stare at the course, uh, that section of the course.
0: <laughs> That's pretty nice. Um, So before we kind of jump into maybe some details behind the race, uh, I kind of just wanted to get a sense of your background. I sense a strong kind of Chicago accent coming
1: through. Is that where you grew up? Yeah, Chicago area. It's actually I'm actually from uh, Northwest Indiana, Crown Point, Indiana. So, yeah, right. Right in the area. Grew up there. Um, I moved. What year did I move? Like 2014? I want to say I moved over to Portland. I was there for s- about seven years. And yeah, now Flagstaff. Did you move over there for work? Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: I feel work like... Work and running. You've gone, yeah. Right?
0: I was going to say, you've gone from one running Mecca to another. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what kind of uh, made you move to Flagstaff?
1: Uh altitude and just uh I had done I was living in Portland the first year I ran Cocodona in twenty twenty-one. So the experience was amazing. Um ending the race in downtown Flagstaff, I think, changed a lot of things for me. I met I just met a lot of really nice people like that whole race week. Um I had so had a few friends up here. Um, yeah, I just felt like Flagstaff was kind of the place to be. I was, yeah, I had such a good experience. The race kind of influenced some, some things, some decisions. And I decided to just, you know, get out of the big metro and move to, you know, what is a smaller mountain town. And I think it's the perfect place for running. Like it's a running town, all the pros, you know, road, track, pros train up here too and the trail running community especially is like super tight-knit portland um was great obviously like you mentioned that's that's for sure a running mecca but this is just because it's way smaller um yeah it's just super close everybody's super friendly and like outwardly uh welcoming so yeah it just felt like a a good felt like the right time for sure to move um But yeah, Flagstaff is just an awesome place to be if you're a a runner.
0: Yeah, I want to spend some more time talking about Flagstaff because it's a really special place um, in our community. But I kind of wanted to ask you about how you got into ultra running in the first place. You've been racing for, I think, almost like 10 years at this point. Uh, What was your kind of entry point?
1: Yeah, I uh was doing a lot of just road stuff. Um I went to Indiana University down in Bloomington and they put on a half marathon every spring, so my sister and I did that knowing like eventually we'd get to the marathon, like back there everyone I think kind of looked up to like Boston was the big goal or maybe Chicago Marathon. So, you know, that was kind of in my mind that you know that would was something that I would definitely like work up to and try, but I read, I read born to run and like kind of learned about ultras. There was actually, yeah, there was actually, and I knew I'd want to try that. Like, I'm like, I'm going to work up, work up to be able to do like these, this ultra stuff. Um, I didn't really like separate, road running and trail running then. Like we would go run in the dunes um, near like Michigan and stuff. Um, but I'm just like, it's all running. So I wanted to try the ultra stuff for sure. There was one woman, Amy, who recommended a 60K. There's like a local 60K. So my sister and I jumped into that. And that was kind of uh, the beginning of the end, I guess I would say. I ran that, had a great time. Um, it went really well. And then I essentially moved to Portland like the following week. Um, yeah, obviously moving to portland you just meet so many i sought out people who were kind of in the scene so yeah hearing like what kind of races were out there what people were recommending um yeah just kind of went very fast from there because i had a lot of access to not only trails but like the people who were experienced in that realm so yeah learned a lot really fast and just stuck with it and <laughs> i think kind of steadily moved up in distance or just you know, um, learned about more races and jumped right in.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I went to college up in the Pacific Northwest and then lived in, uh, Portland briefly. Uh, where
1: are some of your favorite places to run? Cause Oh, Mount hood for sure. Yeah. I love the the Timberline loop is, it's still gotta be one of my favorite runs. Um, I haven't done it in a bit, but yeah, Timberline Loop in the summer always a favorite. I like the Lewitt Trail around Mount St Helens. Um, that whole area actually, um, like Mount Margaret backcountry, it was really cool. And then uh, like North Umqua Trail, like they used to go beyond, used to put on a race called the Nut um, over there. That was a really cool 100K along the turquoise blue river. So um, Bend had some cool spots. I liked, you know, getting up to South Sister um, or Bachelor and stuff. So that high desert and same with Sisters, Oregon is really pretty. Um, that kind of like high desert landscape is, is always nice. There's something really cool about running around a volcano. <laughs> yeah, that too. You know?
0: <laughs> it's just so simple too, because you can kind of see
1: it during the entire run, you know? Yeah, and what's cool about Timberline, like if it's a clear day, you can see like essentially every mountain at different points around that trail. Yeah, that's the best. Do you make it into the uh, Tillamook much? Uh, a little bit. I was going to... There was a race out there that I was going to do. Yeah, some, sometimes I'd go over there, I think... Um, I'd kind of go past that and then end up on the coast. Right. Um, yeah, but I mean, super green.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a complete jungle out there for sure. Slow going at times. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So tell me how Cocodona 250 kind of landed on your radar back in 2021.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, whenever Aerovipa announced it, I'm like, that looks like a cool point-to-point course. And again, like, kind of Flagstaff had this lore, this, like, it seemed like a cool running town, cool spot to end a race. So, yeah, I was super intrigued with the course. Um... Yeah, I wasn't too concerned about the distance. I'm like... I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> it's funny to me that like your mind kind of jumped to uh, like the course first and not the fact that it's like one and a half times longer than like what you have run to date.
1: Right. Yeah. I just... I thought it'd be a cool opportunity to try something completely new. And uh, yeah, it's just... I I think I've always been more interested in like distance and seeing how far you can go over any anything else. Like I don't care. I didn't care how long it would take. Um, of course, there was the time limit, I think 125 hours. Um, but yeah, I didn't think about that too much. I'm just like, that would be a cool run to do. And, um, I'd learn a lot. So yeah, I kind of jumped right in. I wasn't necessarily thinking about like, well, I'm going to do two hundreds now, but it was that race in particular that kind of, um, got me in and, It just looks super interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it was also like
0: the the first running of it too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I also did not think too much about that. Some like lately this past week, I've heard a couple of people like, oh, like, I don't, you know, uh, just thinking about trying in an inaugural event where... I'm sh- you know, the race directors and organizers, I'm sure would always be working out some kinks. But yeah, I didn't think about that too much. I'm just like, I know Air Viper would put on a good event. I had done um, like Javelina and Black Canyon previously for a few years. So yeah, I didn't think too much about that either. I knew there'd be like aid station support along the way. And that was good enough. <laughs> what did your training
0: look like leading into that first year? Like how did it differ from like 100 mile training?
1: Uh, I don't know if it... Differed too much. I think I just stayed consistent. Like I think my um, biggest strength almost is like the consistency. I just get out and do the miles. Um, So at the time, yeah, I was living in Portland Metro. So essentially, most of the training was like road running. I was just doing there were some local trails like where I lived in Beaverton that I could get onto like dirt. But yeah, it was mostly road, mostly like flat stuff. Some there's some rolling hills out in Beaverton. Um, but yeah, not a ton of climbing or anything like that. I would not say it was race specific in any way, but yeah, I didn't let that concern me. I just, um, the training was going to have to be good enough and I was like mentally ready to take it on. So yeah, I didn't, uh, didn't worry about it too much.
0: Was it kind of just like time on feet? Like, were you trying to fit in periods of just like standing and like walking places and kind of including that into your training?
1: Yeah. Like I had a standing desk and all that. Um, I probably biked a lot too, just, you know, around my neighborhood. Um, yeah, I think that was probably my thought. Like time on feet is good. I'm getting, I, I think I still had a decent amount of volume. Like I think I've consistently done kind of like 80, 80 ish mile weeks. Um, maybe from like 2020 for sure. And then on. So, um, yeah, I would just say I I felt good about time on feet for sure. I it to me it didn't at that time it didn't need to be race specific for me to have some confidence um to know that I could like somehow finish a 250 mile race. Yeah, I mean there's
0: not like a a defined blueprint for how to train for one of those yet, right? Like I feel like because of the popularity of like the 100 mile distance, people have like you know, for the most part, like figured that stuff out a bit. Did you have any other like resources you relied on? Did you talk to anyone that had run 200 plus miles?
1: Oh, uh, maybe I did. I think I looked up a lot of articles. Um, Yeah, I think I read whatever I could find on just like personal reports on um, how people's races went. And uh, that was about it. I, Yeah, I'm not sure I talked to, you know, the experts about it. <laughs> i i'm sure for sure like i had done some hundreds before and like 24 hour events before so like not that it's i mean it's over double the distance and i didn't really think like oh it's two one you know it's like double this past race experience that i had but um yeah i was just gonna somehow figure it out and the multi-day thing was interesting enough where like i had the curiosity to just like learn on the go
0: right like At the end of the day, it's pretty simple. It's like one foot in front of the other, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. That was kind of my thought, too. I'm like, I don't want to, I also didn't want to like overcomplicate it because it is just running and I'm out there to enjoy the experience. Right. And that
0: first year, were you intending to like race it competitively or just kind of finish?
1: Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. I was just out there to essentially experience Arizona, the whole the whole course was pretty much new to me i had been in flagstaff i think a couple times before so maybe i had been in buffalo park but yeah the whole the whole thing was going to be completely new um i kind of went in with no expectations definitely no like performance expectations yeah i was not there to like race i was just there for the fun and for the journey Tell me about the landscape of that course, because
0: 250 miles gives you obviously a ton of room to play with. And I have to imagine that you're going through so many different ecosystems and types of terrain.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the coolest... One of the coolest things about this course, because you start in like cactus area, like in uh Black Canyon City, it's like very hot desert, kind of what you might expect from Arizona if you haven't experienced much of it. So um yeah cactus down there and then you start getting up into the Bradshaws like by Crown King and it's like granite Um, still warm but it's like you're up in the mountains there it's super remote but yeah I I think that was really cool to be up in there because you know you can drive on the i17 and you're you can see it but you unless you're running there you have no idea what it's like um so being like on foot out there is really cool and then of course you have a cool town you go through Jerome that's a cool like kind of ghost town area um you make your way to Sedona which is gorgeous red rock country like Sedona's gorgeous um the you know plants start changing a bit, and then all the way in Flagstaff, up on the Coconino Plateau, it's like pines, um, a little cooler. Um, you get up to above nine thousand feet on Eldon. Um, yeah, there's just so much variety and. Yeah, you do have to pre- uh, like I've learned <laughs> 3 years in you have to prepare for like those changes in temperatures and um the terrain like that you're running on does change a bit too. The first year um like the Bradshaw's someone had graded it so it was like softer dirt. This year it was like rocks, just like chunky, steep sections with just loose rocks. The first year also like they made some changes in Sedona. So that first year, a lot of it was on, I got stuck like in the middle of the day. I did like only a 50 K all day for making my way through Sedona just cause it was so hot. A lot of it was on the slick rock, which is like a tough surface, but the heat just like radiates back up into your face, uh, running on that. So that was pretty tough the first year for sure. <laughs> I think that was probably the toughest section just cause it was so baking hot. Um, now they have a they made a change where you kind of you hit a water crossing, which is very nice um if you can hit that in the day, yeah, and then flagstaff it's a little more it's a little softer dirt, i guess I would say, until you get to Eldon, which you know has some rocks and but uh, yeah, just so much variety, I think it's a lot of fun. Do you like the point to point
0: aspect of it rather than like a loop
1: a loop a big loop would be cool, I am a fan of like. Good big loops for sure. But I think it's just funny to me. Uh, some other people have said, like, oh, it's running home. Like it's uh, the long way to Flagstaff. So, yeah, the point to point for this race is, I think, really special. You just go through so many towns too. Like, not only are you out on some of the most remote trails, it's like you get to kind of come through these fun, fun towns and um, get a different vibe every so often.
0: How did you go about setting up your crew that first year? Like, were you like, hey, guys, like, do you want to run <laughs> with me for like 40 miles at a time? Because I know that like the pacing legs are so much longer in a race like that.
1: Yeah, my crew was only my sister. I have a twin, uh, Melissa. So she came out. Also, she was kind of out to just experience Arizona too. So she was like 100% interested to just hang out all week. And then um, our mom actually drove the crew vehicle. So it was kind of like a team, small team of three. And then a couple friends from Flagstaff jumped in and each paced, I think, one section. And then... There were some people on course, some guys who had another runner out there, and they're like, oh, he's not coming in for a while. Like, Do you need a pacer? So um, yeah, a complete stranger. I know him now. His name's Keith Munch. He jumped in and paced a bunch of miles. Um, and we had a good conversation the whole time. So um, pretty small team that I had like planned. But um, yeah, it's a lot of work to... Especially this race, it's like during the week, which is... It's hard for... You know, a lot of people to take that much time off and stuff and come, come support your race, (laughs) come join you for a week. So, yeah, I I had it. just it was just a small team. Um, Yeah, I didn't uh, didn't uh, expect that many people to be coming out and supporting it. So that year is definitely small.
0: Yeah, I feel like having a pacer that you don't know might be kind of advantageous because it's like, tell me your life story. I know nothing (laughs) about you. Like, keep me (laughs) distracted.
1: Yeah, it was really fun. I had a great time with all my pacers. My sister ended up pacing like half the race, but she's uh, she's a tough pacer. So she uh, kept it more on the business side, I guess I'd say.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Are you uh,
0: an identical twin?
1: We don't know. My parents don't know. We have the same blood type, but I don't know. We've never... Do, uh, do you look <laughs> the same know. though? No, I don't think so. I think okay. there are some people who... And there were definitely different. People pick up on some... Some differences very quickly. I think some other people will always struggle, but um, I think if we were both on this call, we would s- we sound very similar, especially okay. like on the phone. So I don't think we look the same. I think our close friends would agree. But um, the reason I
0: ask is because I, it would be hilarious if you just like gave her your bib <laughs> like mid race.
1: Yeah, people have asked that. I'm like, no, we would not do that. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Do you people have done double takes though? They're like, uh, like on runs or maybe during races. It's like they see one of us come through and then you know minutes later the other one comes through and they're like, "Wait, I just saw you."
0: Appreciate like tough love from your crew, or do you like some coddling?
1: Oh, tough love for sure, all the way. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's something that I worked on last year to, like, choose. Like, it's fun to have friends always out on the course and when you're racing. But if you're really going for some, like, performance outcome goals, like, it helps to be very strategic in who you're picking and who who is running certain sections with you. So, that definitely helped me this year for sure. Totally. But tough love. Yeah, always.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i think like that's that's in my experience always the way to go like if you're a runner when they inevitably finish they'll thank you for being kind of a hard ass
1: <laughs> yeah yeah stuff is forgivable it's during the race so right
0: right uh what are some of like the main differences um that you've seen as like the race has kind of aged over the three years it's it's been put on uh like what was different in 2022 what was different this year
1: uh, in terms of like the race like,
0: itself just in terms of like the attention like the fields um like maybe like the course markings the aid station stuff like that because i mean this is now one of probably like the most popular 200 plus mile event in the country now
1: yeah i think the f- because the first year era viper and team did such a good job putting on the live stream like Cocodona was one of the first kind of races after the whole pandemic kind of like shut everything down. So that was, I'd say one of the first Black Canyon with their live stream and then Cocodona with this huge week long live stream came on. And I think that really kind of open people for sure. Like if I was watching it, like I feel like that opened people's eyes to like what a 200 plus mile race actually is. Cause even for me, I had heard about um, some of the other 200s and I'm like, I don't know what goes on out there. I just kind of see the results and maybe see who, who ran them, but um, you don't really get a sense of what it's like. So to have the live stream, the first year I think um, was a game changer and kind of um, brought a lot of attention to the event. I think the second year, I mean, it's still such a big race. Like I, I didn't think about it too much. Like, Oh, should I, is it time to do a 250? I was just interested. So I signed up, but I've seen that with Coca-Dona. Like there's a lot of first time people, like I have friends who signed up a day after I finished the race. Cause they were so stoked and hyped on just being out there and seeing, um, their friends out there. Um, you know, being at the finish line and hanging out to just uh, soak it all in. So I do think something about air, Vi- something about what air Vipa has done has made it like welcoming and inviting to like, t- like newcomers to the distance, which is really cool. I do think more competition is coming too. it's very cool to, ha- to see like the three time finishers. Like I've, I met a lot of people the first year and we came back the second year, we came back this year. So um, it's cool to see people returning to this event and, you just i can tell like this year i'm like we're figuring it out like we're figuring out how to race this thing and you see some people making like very smart decisions um because they've done not only they've done it have they done it before but they kind of have a better sense of like this is the kind of experience that i want um so i'm going to sleep here or i'm going to take my time through this aid station or through this section so yeah it's cool to see what people are doing with the race i I like the course changes. There have definitely been some good course changes um, over the, the past three years now. Um, I think they could continue to change the course <laughs> in little little small ways. Um, so you never have the exact same thing. But um, yeah, I think for the most part, they've been pretty good. Eight stations are good. Um, yeah, a lot of volunteer hours go into this. I think the course markings were... I want to say they were pretty good, but, uh, things are kind of fuzzy. Like there's always that Fane ranch section where it's like if, if day or night, it's hard to see the flag just cause it's like this flat kind of cow pasture and there's like cactus out there. Um, yeah, I think that section is always a little tricky. Uh, what else? I don't know. I, I think some of the aid station changes like the Sedona aid station moved, um, I saw in the live stream, it's like next to this cool skate park. Um, but I didn't see that when I was there, (laughs) but, uh, uh, it's a, it's definitely like a nice uh, spot to take a nap. They have the cots there. It's a bigger aid station. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I have like no complaints. (laughs) Steve does a great job and he's also the RD. Um, you'll see him, you know, along the way I saw him a couple times out on the course, which was really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a great event.
0: Yeah, it was super fun to follow too, kind of like passively throughout the day. Just like tune in for like 10 to 15 minutes. Like, you know, see someone running from a drone. Like, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, they did have some good drone footage. I've been hearing that too. Um, and this year they also had some good uh, commentators. They brought in the guys from Single Track, mm-hmm. Brett and Finn, and I thought they they did a great job.
0: Yeah, they did a great job because it was like, It was just like casual banter, you know? Yeah. (laughs) With some like insight too. Yeah. (laughs) So super entertaining. I had a question about like why you decide to return year after year. I think I imagine that's a question you get quite a bit and I have a sense for how you might respond to it. Um, But I want to hear it from, from you first.
1: Yeah, I think from year year 1 just it was so much fun. Obviously it influenced my decision to move to Flagstaff. Um I just had such a good time. Um like why wouldn't I sign up? So I came back for the second year with a little more expectation, like a better sense of what I could do on the course. The course was definitely different because of the fires. It took the start from Rock Springs to Prescott. So I couldn't really like compare my times. Um, My time was faster in the end. But yeah, the courses were just so different. But yeah, coming in with more expectation, I think... And it went well again. Year 2 definitely went well. But after that, I'm like, I left... I made some mistakes. There's a lot of room for improvement. And I had an idea of like what could specifically... Get me to the top spot. I don't, I'm not the most competitive person. I'm competitive against myself. Um, and I don't necessarily like go for the, I'm not out there for the podiums. Um, but this race for me was so special. Like I just had such a good time. I met so many people for the, you know, the first two years. A lot of us were like, yeah, of course we're coming back for the third year. Um, so yeah, I think with this, the sense of like how special the race was to me and how much I like just love and enjoy the course and seeing everyone out there, I'm like, I'm gonna, I need to go back a third year and see if I can just give it my all and see how it shakes out. So, um, I had decided like this third time would be it for a bit. And (laughs) like, I just wanted to, do my best on every section on the day and if i could do that i th- i thought like maybe i could you know podium or like imp- improve which meant you know higher than third place from year 2 so yeah things went well and uh i was i don't often say like yeah i'm going for the win like i'm not out out there saying that i did tell a couple of people like that's what i would like to do um yeah and i'm really happy at all <laughs> It worked out because that's what I was there for. And I had a good time doing it. I didn't have to be like miserable on the course to to get that time or um, take the win. So yeah, stoked on that. Yeah. I mean, the
0: community has to be like a huge pull, right? It's kind of like a reunion. See familiar faces you haven't seen in at least a year.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy spread out this year, though. I think the past two years, I was definitely running with more people for more of the race. This This year up front, it was like... I saw hardly anybody. I did run with Mike from Seattle for a few miles. Um, Yeah, but it was quiet up there in the front. (laughs) Yeah. So did you kind of like come up with paces or like splits you wanted to hit? Not splits, but I was aiming more for like a feel on certain sections. So like, you know, thinking back to especially year two, I had some low moments where I was like walking certain sections. Um, So yeah, the goal this year was to just run every section smart and like feel good. Um, and just do the best that I could be doing in the moment on that section on the day. So if I was doing that, I was going to be like happy with like how I was performing. Um, yeah, it wasn't so much pace. I've, I've tried pace charts for three years now, and they're not really, (laughs) they just kind of go out the window. I think, this year, I think for my crew, I did have, um, and because I had a, you know, I had some data from the past two years, I knew what time of day, like roughly what time of day I wanted to get to certain spots on on the course. Because like a lot of the course, if you're s- stuck out there in the middle of the day, it is very hot. Like Lime Kiln, it, I've never, luckily, I've timed it where I'm never there during the day. I've always been there at night. This this year was really cool because Like, I've never seen that trail. It's just been, you know, in the light of my headlamp. This year, I actually got there a little early. So, it was like sunset when I was starting on that lime kiln section. And, you know, I wasn't out there in the baking sun. So, um, I did do... That worked out. Like, the times of day, roughly, that I wanted to be on certain sections worked out for, like, everything. Yeah, it was great.
0: Because, like, people talk about, like, you know, finding your 100-mile pace, which I can, like, wrap my head around. But, like it's hard for me to conceive of like a 250 mile pace, right? Like after running the race for three consecutive years, do you have a sense for like what that feels like now?
1: Uh, yeah, I knew, I knew how I wanted to run certain sections. I guess I would okay, say again, right. like I, you know, first day through the Bradshaws, keep it chill. Second day, I, I still chill cause it was like hotter on some of those sections and they weren't my favorite. Um, that descent off Mingus is so chunky. <laughs> It's so bad. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. And then I knew once I got closer to Flagstaff, like once you get up onto the Coconino Plateau, I'm like, I'm going to want to run it and, you know, be feeling good. So conserve a little earlier and be able to have like more than one gear when you get up to like, especially Fort Tudhill, 36, 37 miles to go. Like you have to race it. Like it's it, it's over. (laughs) When were you allowed to pick up a pacer? Uh, mile seventy one, seventy two. Um, okay. at that friend, yeah, it would be the Friendly Pines aid station. You could pick up uh, your first pacer.
0: Did you listen to any kind of like music? Uh, in the first seventy miles, were you allowed to?
1: Yeah, you can listen to music. Um, okay. I, my crew and I made some playlists, but <laughs> we only used them. I only used them with one pacer. Um, when we were kind of chasing some cows off the trail, we were playing the music pretty loud. So yeah, I've actually, so outside of that, I've like never raced with music. I make playlists, listen to them in the car on the way to the race or whatever pre-race. But, um, yeah, I have not really raced with music yet. (laughs) I will try it.
0: Yeah. Is it because it like distracts you? Like, where does your mind go? Yeah. I think
1: I love listening. I do like Training, weekday training, I'm always listening to music or a podcast um, because I can kind of zone out a bit. I think during racing, um, I would get distracted a bit. I want to make sure like, am I eating enough every hour? Am I drinking everything? Am I... I just want to take in the surroundings, I think. And um, not zone out. I want to like zone into the race. So um, I think music would really help me on like a... a For sure at night, I think it would be useful, but I just haven't done that. Um, Or for sure on like a... 24-hour kind of timed event, I think it would be awesome. I, I'll eventually try it. I have a couple events this year that maybe I'll try music. But uh, yeah, not yet. <laughs> haven't done it yet.
0: I mean, it seems like the way you've been running this race is that like, you stay incredibly present in the moment. And I think that's the only way you can, right? Because if you start thinking about like, well, I've run 50 miles. I'm pretty tired. I have 200 more miles to go. <laughs> like, you know, that's fatal right
1: yeah yeah i just want to feel all of it like i want to be in the moment um and i think music would could potentially take you out of some of the pain or struggle potentially but yeah i'm like i'm here to this is race day race week for cocodona so um yeah just soak it all in
0: you knocked 12 hours off of your finish time this year where do you think you made up that chunk of time
1: oh aid station efficiency uh, I do think I ran well on a lot, like most of the sections, um, but it was, it's all about aid station efficiency in the past I've wasted. I don't want to say wasted. Cause I don't regret it. I don't regret socializing or hanging out with people, but that is where the time gets away from me. So going in this year, I'm like, I need to not socialize during the race. I'll say hi and you know, head out. So aid station efficiency was huge. And I had a very tough pacer who kicked me out like within minutes. <laughs> so that is where I saved a ton of time. Also, I had a good sleep strategy this year. Um, and it worked out like I had, yeah, I had a, I went in with a plan. Um, and I think I did a pretty good job sticking to it. I did not like take random longer naps this year. I think the past two years, I was just kind of like winging it. uh, Like if I needed sleep, I'm like, I'm going to sleep. I'll wake up when I wake up. Um, This year, I kind of set more of a limit for the longer naps and for dirt naps. So I wasn't like just accumulating time every time I stopped to take a break.
0: What did that look like specifically?
1: Yeah. So I wanted to get through the first day, like first 24 hours without sleeping. And I did that. (laughs) Probably around 25 hours. I did take a, I did lie down in a sleeping bag in my cruise car to take a nap. I don't think I, I think it was like 45, 50 minutes. I don't think I slept the whole time. So I think it would have been better to just take caffeine and keep moving for that first night. When I got, I knew when I got to that big Sedona 8 station, I would take a nap. Luckily, like timing was perfect. It was like, midnight, maybe super early morning where I got to Sedona and was just, I could just pass out. I passed out for like an hour, had a great sleep, felt super refreshed. My legs felt great coming out of that aid station. So that was the only like long, good nap that I took about an hour. And then I just did some dirt naps from that point on if I needed and caffeine
0: did you kind of record how long you actually slept for during like the seventy-two hours? Do you have a I number? should add
1: it up. My uh, my good pacers actually recorded like the minutes for each nap, so I'd have to add that up. But <laughs> probably <laughs> it would be le- it'd be like less than two hours then, which is actually kind of a lot because I think some previous winners or podium runners like slept way less than that. So. I think you just have to, like, I'm also learning. I think you just have to kind of play with it and find out what works for you um, on the day (laughs) and hope it goes well.
0: Do you think that's genetic or something you can, like, practice, like, outside of racing?
1: Oh, I don't practice. Like, I did not do a ton of night running outside of racing just because it's, like, it takes more to recover from some stuff like that. So, I don't do a lot of, like, practicing for these types of things. I think if I was doing like FKT through hike stuff, I would have a better sense of like what works or how long I could go without like completely losing it, which I would like to, to test that out for sure. I think, um, I think I, I think you can get better at it. Like I had a caffeine strategy as well. So like knowing how to use caffeine how to conserve versus when you're like pushing it a little bit during the day. Um, Cause some people, I think during this race sleep during the day, but my plan was to kind of, um, you know, s- lo- have longer sleeps or dirt naps at night and like move during the day. Cause that's when I'm usually awake. So uh, yeah, I think you can definitely improve upon all these different strategies. Um, you just gotta <laughs> yeah, test it a little bit.
0: <laughs> Did they want to sleep during the day because it would be, cooler temperatures at night was that yeah the thinking?
1: Mm-hmm. okay yeah. yeah just like take a break when it's hot and i know the first year um i actually did sleep some during the day just because i you know tried to make it through the night and was just so tired i wasn't in you know i had some moments where i'm like this is not the experience that i want i'm not having as much fun right now so i gotta just take a nap and reset and it happened to be during the day so yeah i think it could help um yeah, it just yeah. depends on what kind of experience you want. Right.
0: I tried a like that kind of strategy when I hiked the PCT, uh, specifically in the desert section, because it was like, you know, 110 degrees during the day. So I would like sleep under like an underpass for like <laughs> yeah. you know, six or seven hours. And then when the sun was setting, like start my hike and it wrecked me after a couple of days. I was just like <laughs> my brain is scrambled eggs right now.
1: Oh yeah, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, so you brought up another topic that I wanted to ask you about, which is nutrition. Uh, obviously you have to eat during these events. Um, what broadly was your strategy when it came to getting in enough calories?
1: Oh yeah. This year I wanted to keep it simple. I think in the past I would come into eight stations and like, look at the menu and say, Oh, what looks good? Like, right. what are they cooking? What can I get here? So, um, yeah, I wanted to limit decision-making and keep it simple. So I stuck with, um, Tailwind, which is quite a few calories, like in one single serving packet, so that's easy. That's easy calories, and you're getting the liquid too. So, and they have the recovery mix, which is great when you come to like a crew aid station. I was I was having the recovery mix as well, and then I had Spring Energy, which used that the entire way. Was getting a little tired of that just because it's like oh another gel, right? Um, and I had caffeine gels that were pretty good. And then I did have a slice of pizza at Whiskey Row. So that was pretty early on. I had some pasta and maybe a bite of mashed potatoes. Oh, and then some scrambled eggs as well. So yeah, easier carbs. And then yeah, just some like small things of protein. I I also had some packets of the trail butter, um, which are pretty nice just to have in your pack. (laughs) Uh, with some fat and protein. Um, yeah, my goal was to like kind of keep it more simple. I feel bad because my crew would be going out to get breakfast or lunch when they were waiting for me and they'd come back like, oh, with this sandwich, like, or this, you know, um, this wrap. And it looked great, you know, but I did not feel like eating that. And I did not think like a, like, something with that much fiber, vegetable stuff would be that useful. Um, so yeah, a little wasteful. <laughs>
0: but no i get it like you can't be eating lettuce
1: during one of these things yeah lettuce is not going to do anything for you at the same time like
0: you did you were conscious about eating like more fat and protein than if you were running like a fast 50k like Uh spring is got a lot more like substance to it than like a goo a goo gel Um, and then you mentioned like the recovery drinks which i really love from tailwind uh so that's a, it seems like a, a very smart strategy and then throw <laughs> on a, a a slice of pizza or two for good measure right yeah <laughs> have you ever like dabbled with um you know like ketosis or like trying to get like fat adapted stuff like that
1: no not yet no <laughs> not yet is there I- some interest there I mean, I think there's a way to be more efficient with fueling. Um, I mean, um, I I'll eat the carbs. I don't like do any type any type of fasting. In the past, I've a lot of my issues during races would be they'd stem from not eating enough calories in general. So I think 2022, late 2021, 2022, I made it a point to like just eat more calories during the race and not get dig myself into a hole that I can't really get out of. And I'm just struggling or like getting super tired for the second half of the race, um, for like hundred miles stuff. So, um, yeah, more calories for sure. For me, (laughs) it's been, yeah, I've seen a lot of improvement and then that helps with recovery as well.
0: Yeah. Just keeping it simple. I tuned in for like 10 minutes at one point. And uh, the feed was filming like a couple dudes eating hamburgers for like, a, you know, like 20 minutes. And I was like, this is this is great. This is hilarious. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I bet the hamburgers were probably like, I mean, the aid stations at at Cocodona have great options. Like the menus are pretty expansive. So um, I feel like you can definitely find some heartier stuff um, all along the course.
0: Yeah, I wish they made the aid stations less of a party, though. You know, cause like, you're right. Like there, it's so tempting to be like, yeah, I'll hang out for a bit. Like what's new, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, that could be fun too. Like people are out there just maybe to have, to enjoy that party kind of feels. <laughs> so yeah, they have a bit of everything to, and you can just do what you want. Do you think you've kind of like
0: developed a, a reputation for like, you know, 200 plus mile races? Like, do you want to be known as like the, the 200 plus mile specialist?
1: Uh, I think I've just, I've just done coca <laughs> I think I'm three mean, times. Yeah. That's like, that's my 200 right now. Um, I will move on and try different 200s. I think I kind of got that itch last year after finishing a second time and having it go pretty well. Um, yeah, I would like to see what I can do on other like 200 mile races and other multi day things having like learned. Very good lessons for three years at Cocodona.
0: Yeah, you touched on it earlier, but have you given any more thought to uh, attempting some FKTs like, you know, the Arizona Trail is right in your backyard as well as like the Colorado Trail stayed away?
1: Yeah, the Colorado Trail is very intriguing. I really, really want to try that. It's a little longer for sure, um, but it looks so pretty. That's definitely one that I will try. Um Yeah, outside of races.
0: (laughs) And one more question about Cocodona before moving on. Um, What did you do when it came to footwear? Something I'm always curious about. Did you rotate shoes? Did you wear the same pair the entire time?
1: Yeah, I had two pairs and that's what I was going to stick with. Um, Nike Trail makes a great shoe. Right now it's it's the Gama. So I did have a prototype um, shoe um for the first 72 miles um probably could have kept that one on but sometimes it's just nice when you change socks um to have a fresh pair of shoes that's not caked in dirt so i did switch into the you know market version of the zagama for the rest of the race and just kept that on um it was great no foot issues i was changing socks so i always use wool socks so had had a few pairs of socks that i would sh- swap out um yeah, it's just nice to have like a fresh feeling when you're sitting down if you stop with crew and stuff, but yeah, just two pairs of shoes, um, it worked out great. I did not do any foot maintenance. I didn't I wasn't getting blisters. My feet felt totally fine. Um, in the past, like if I was getting like a hot spot or a blister, I would sit down and kind of like tape it. This year, yeah, nothing was going wrong with my feet, so I didn't need to spend any time doing any sort of foot maintenance. <laughs>
0: I've seen some pretty gnarly pictures of people's feet within the past like week from that race. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, you figured it out. Yeah, uh, that would be I mean, blisters are such a distraction. It's so painful to be running with blisters and just constantly thinking about them and having to tape them up that many times along the course. Yeah. So, yeah, I I lucked out a bit. Um, I think I made some good decisions though (laughs) this year.
0: (laughs) were there any other pieces of gear that
1: you thought were like integral uh the kogala light so i'll i was using like a cheap headlamp um just swapping out batteries but i had my pacers carry the kogala light kind of like at the waist level and that light is very broad and it's more of a warm kind of orange glow um which i think helps because sometimes you get like the tunnel vision and i get like really sleepy um, sometimes just with a like small headlamp, um, you know, staring into that tunnel all night. So, having a, you know, maybe the pacer had a headlamp, I had my headlamp up here, and then the Kogala light was very helpful. Um, I'd say the Kogala lights, yeah, for night is a must. Um, let me see. Yeah, I used poles this year. Um, I have a couple other races this summer where I think I will use poles. We can get to that. Yeah. (laughs) I got to practice a bit. So I did, I I splurge and bought a lucky pair, um, super light, lightweight poles um, that are actually light enough to just have. Like in the past, I had some black diamonds, which the carbon ones, it's like, they're light enough. They're okay. But I think folded up even just felt a little bulkier. So like, with this pair, I could even just have it on the bottom of my pack and pull them out when I needed to. And otherwise, they're just kind of sitting under my pack. No, you know, nothing bothering me there. So yeah, I think it was nice to have poles. Um, Definitely getting better using those. That was nice for the first like 50k or so to have that. I don't know if I could say like how much it saves my legs. But um, yeah, I just use poles essentially on like the first 50k, some, you know, in those on those climbs, and then I think for the Kasner climb out of Sedona. But um, yeah, I thought that was a nice, pe- a nice new piece of gear that I hadn't really had at Cocodona before. Yeah. And then just like, knowing what to wear, uh, I'd say apparel is pretty important. Of course, of course, the socks. Um, I like wool socks. But like, <laughs> there are a couple points where I'm like, Crew like I asked my crew, like, should I wear pants? Like, do I need pants? They were telling me uh the conditions on Eldon, and it was like below it was like 19 degrees, below freezing, um, like super windy. Uh yeah, So I'm like, do I need like more clothing? Gloves for sure. I like the smart wool gloves and like a I had a um headband. Um but yeah, definitely like the lightweight jacket or like a, I had a wool long, smart wool long sleeve as well. So knowing how to switch layers for the changes in temperatures on this course definitely makes a big difference. Um, the goal was I did end up using a puffy. I brought a puffy up to Eldon, which, you know, with the hood and everything, it was much needed, but my, (laughs) one of my goals, I'm like, I won't need a puffy if I'm moving fast enough to like be generating heat. So I think outside of Eldon, I did a good job of that. Just just the Houdini lightweight jacket.
0: <laughs> yeah. Running away from the puffy. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is also like a, a tough time of year um, for a race like this because it is kind of like shoulder season.
1: Yeah. And it's been a long winter. Um, we've had a lot of snow up in Flag. It's pretty much melted now, but like a couple weeks out from the race. Eldon had a ton of snow. There was way more snow up there, so I'm like, I don't know how it's gonna how it's gonna feel. Of course it's always windy and flag, and it was wind super windy on, windiest I've ever seen it on Eldon when I was there like at 1 30 a 2 a.m. or whatever time it was. So
0: <laughs> gnarly. Uh all right, before I get you out of here, I gotta ask about the race you're signed up for later this summer, the Ure one hundred. Tell me about it. Well, like why why? That that race <laughs> seems so gnarly. It's like 102 miles, like I think over 40 K avert at altitude. Yeah.
1: yeah. I signed up because it's scary.
0: <laughs> there we go.
1: Yeah. I just needed, I like donna It's like, okay, it wasn't going to be a new race experience. I had different goals for sure, but um, you know, I had done it before. I'm also planning on doing run rabbit and that's not a new one. So I'm like, I need something new that's scary and kind of out of my comfort zone. So I have been, working on climbing. I do feel like I'm (laughs) way better at climbing. Uh, Yeah, I'm just excited to like try something new again. Uh, It's going to be very tough, I think. But yeah, I'm like, I I was telling people when I first signed up, I'm like, I want to do a course that might just inherently make me cry (laughs) out there just because it's so crazy. Um, I do plan on getting out there a little early and like training some on the course and just in that area in the San Juan. So, yeah, I I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know how how it's going to feel, um, but it's going to be awesome. I'm I'm just really excited to try it.
0: Yeah, I mean, as someone who likes landscapes, it sounds like like you're going to have no issues uh staying preoccupied in uh yeah, in Colorado in the, in the San Juans.
1: Yeah, but it's like summer, so it's like the storms come rolling right. and there's lightning. So, Yeah, it might be crazy, but it's definitely going to be pretty. All right. Well, I'll let you get back to your ice cream
0: and and some well-earned R&R. Sarah, this has been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Sarah for the conversation. Thanks to Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from everyone here at Blister, please take good care of yourself. Keep moving forward. And we'll talk to you again next week.